0: sons, or daughters come home to the loving arms of the Father. I pray that in the days and weeks and months and years to come, we're going to get to throw some parties for some lost ones coming home. But parties aren't free. In fact, to reach one, to reach you, to reach me, it cost the life of Jesus. He was so passionate about seeing you come to life and and bear fruit that he was willing to die and bear his cross to make it happen. The party wasn't free to him, but it was free to us. It was a gift of his grace. And it's not free for our ones. Somebody has to lay down their life to make that happen so that we could celebrate the return of Lost ones coming home. And so last week we saw the party, but today we're asking the question what is it going to cost to party with our ones? <clears throat> and it brings us our, uh, to our big idea this morning from John chapter 12. And the big idea is this fruit bearing requires cross bearing. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing. In order to be able to bear spiritual fruit in the lives of our ones, it took Jesus bearing his cross for them. And as we're going to see today, it's going to take you and me and us together following in his steps, bearing our cross to bear fruit in their lives for them. Now we saw this morning in in John chapter 12, we're not going to take too much time to look at verses 20 to 23, but we saw that some Gentiles, some Greek speakers, some non-Jews were in Jerusalem because though they weren't ethnically Jewish, they were there worshiping the God of Israel. They were in town for the great feast of Passover. Passover. And in fact, it's the Passover leading up to the Passion Week, which we're going to be celebrating here in in just about a month. I hope that you're already starting to think about how can we celebrate Easter together and inviting our ones to church. But but this was just days away from Jesus' crucifixion. And these Gentiles, these Greeks, they they wanted to see Jesus. And and so they go through the disciples to try and see if, if they could talk with Jesus. But Jesus knows that his time is short. He knows that God has a plan to include Gentiles like these, but before they could be welcomed into the party of God's kingdom, Jesus had to do something significant. And so we see Jesus' words in verse 23. He says, the hour has come. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has been saying, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. He had to move around, go to places. He had to say hard things to the the religious leaders, but then he would flee from them. He wouldn't be captured. Uh, by them yet, because he said, my hour has not yet come. Now Jesus stands up in a very significant moment and he says, it's time. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now we, when we think of the word glory, we think, wow, it, it's glorious, right? But Jesus knew that his glory would be far deeper and richer than mere fame, more significant than just being liked by people and being set on a throne. No, this this glory was going to be deep and rich. He was going to be glorified by his Father through the reversal of the curse over all of humanity. He was going to die and be resurrected. He was going to ascend back to heaven by his Father's side in great exaltation. The path up for Jesus began by going down to death. Fruit bearing required cross-bearing. Fruit-bearing required cross-bearing. We'll take a look at three ways that he's describing this this cross-bearing for fruit-bearing today. First thing we see in in verse 24, that life only springs from death. Life only springs from death. Again, verse 24 of, of our passage in John 12 says this, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You and I know this. Some of you have your own personal little gardens, right? And we're probably getting to the season very soon. If you've got a fruit or vegetable garden, you're probably getting things ready, the soil ready. I've been walking through Old Town Fairfax and seeing that uh, landscapers have already been putting and gardeners have been putting down fertilizer, getting ready for things to come to life, right? We plant those seeds in the ground and I love homegrown tomatoes. If you have too many homegrown tomatoes this summer and you don't know what to do with them, come look me up. I'd love to take some from you, right? Homegrown tomatoes and beautiful fruits and vegetables. We love that, but, but Jesus is using the idea that similar though a little bit different of a wheat a kernel of wheat a little seed and it's so tiny in the hand right this little kernel of seed and if it remains in your hand if it just re- remains on the shelf or remains in the little packet it just it remains alone One single seed. Nothing is going to happen. What do you need to do in order that seed to, to do what it's meant to do, to bring forth life? You've got to plant it in the ground. And when you plant it in the ground, it creates a whole field, a whole harvest full of wheat. Simply going into the ground to that seed, being buried, in a sense dying, it brings forth life. It's woven into our world the way things work. God has designed our world to work this way to point us to the great drama of our Messiah, the one who, like a kernel of wheat, said, I am not willing to remain alone, but I'm willing to die. The hour has come for me to be glorified, and just as a, wheat go, a kernel of wheat goes into the ground to bring forth a harvest, I'm about ready to die and be buried in the earth to bring forth much fruit Seeds must be buried so that plants can come to life. We're seeing it right now. Winter, which you look around and you must think all these trees must be dead. This is the first winter that the Nicosias have spent in northern Virginia. And we're wondering, are these trees ever coming back to life? But we're starting to see even now in early March glimpses that life is coming from what seems like death. Winter gives way to spring Life from death is a recurring theme in some of our our best stories, right? Neo dies and comes to life so that he can deliver Zion from the artificial intelligence in the Matrix, right? That's a great movie. Very cool, right? Gandalf the Great dies and returns as Gandalf the White at the turn of the tide to defeat Sauron and save Middle-earth. Life comes from death. And perhaps my favorite, Aslan the Lion is killed in Edmund's place on the stone table, and is resurrected to defeat the white witch and rescue narnia life comes from death life only springs from death and that's what we have to understand about jesus We could teach the Bible all day long and seek to live out the commands of Jesus and and love our neighbors and seek justice and righteousness and mercy in our lives and in our homes and in our world. But the central message of the Bible is this, is that these are only possible because one died for you and for me. Life, hope, goodness only come because one died for you and for me. The Apostle Paul, he reminded the church in the city of Corinth in Greece of this very thing. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance, what? That life comes from death, that, uh, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is the central theme of Scripture It's a central theme that we see in the way God has designed our world that life only springs from death. Fruit bearing required, cross bearing, because life, your life, and my life only springs from death. But it's not just Jesus' death. There's a death that we also, too, must die. That brings us to verse 25 and point number two. The way to truly live is first to truly Die. The way to truly live is first to truly die. Take a look again at verse 25 of John chapter 12. It says, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's trying to help you understand that there's two lives that he's really talking about here. The first one, he says, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. If you hate your life, you'll keep it for eternal life. And it's confusing if you don't see two lives here in what Jesus is saying. First, he's saying, if you love your life, if one person loves his life, what's that life? What's the mortal life? It's life in this corrupt world. It's life in this cursed world of sin that we're all born into. This life that's centered on me. This life that's centered on my desires. This mortal life that's about my agenda and my glory. That doesn't mean that everything in this life is bad. It's just that it's not to be worshipped and valued above all else and above all people, including our creator God. See, if you love this life, this mortal life, this life that's centered on you and your passions and your agenda apart from your creator, that very life that you're seeking to cling to, you will lose it. But then Jesus says, in verse 25, if you hate your life, in this world. You see that there? Hating your life in this world. You see that this world is passing away with its corruption and its fleshly desires. And and so this one who isn't living for this world, they recognize that they're made for someone and something far greater. You are made to know your God and to worship him, not to worship the things of this world. And for that person, that hates this mortal life and says, I'm living for another life, that's the person that will actually keep it for eternal life. You see, in, in the Greek language, the words for life and soul are, are actually interchangeable. And so I think there's a, an essence of this meaning that Jesus is also saying here. If your existence is centered on preserving and loving your own soul, you'll end up losing it. And in an ironic twist, you will preserve your soul if you let go of defining and determining your own existence and bow to Jesus and offer your soul to Him. The way to truly live is first to truly die. Jesus said similar words when He was teaching. We find that recorded in Matthew 10, verses 37 and 39. It says this, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is a matter of loves. What do you love? The tighter you cling to your own soul and to your own life, what you'll find is that it's like sand that's slipping out from between your fingers. But if you say, I'm living for another world I recognize that this mortal life is not something to be clinged to. I'm clinging to Jesus. I'm willing to give this life for Jesus. You'll find that you receive and enjoy eternal life. Because the way to truly live is first to truly die. We see that ironic twist. I'm just I'm on Lord of the Rings today. We see that ironic twist at the end of The Return of the King by J.R. Tolkien. The corrupted creature Gollum, he's obsessed with the one ring. What happens to him? He perishes for a love for that ring, his precious. He had chased Frodo Baggins down who sought to destroy the evil ring in the uh, fires of Mount Doom and in one final epic duel, Frodo wins by losing the ring while Gollum loses because he cannot let go of the ring. If you hold on to that life as tightly as you can, you're going to find that just like Gollum, you'll be obsessed with that precious. But you'll find that you lose it in the end. But if we live for another life, if we say, I'm willing to die to myself and follow Jesus, you'll find that you receive eternal life. You see, fruit bearing requires cross bearing. It required it for Jesus, requires it for you and for me as well. Thirdly, what we see from this passage is this, that to follow Jesus in life is to follow Him in death. To follow Jesus in life is to follow Him in death. Again, verse 26 of John 12, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to know you're not following me to Disney World. <laughs> you're not following me to a, a, a beautiful Hawaiian vacation. If you're going to follow me, we're living for another life. And just like I'm going to the cross, you've got to follow me there too. If you want to be considered my servant, if you want to be considered my disciple, if you want to be considered as someone who's associated with me and following me, you got to follow me all the way to Death. Jesus said something similar in Luke 9, 23 to 24. He said, to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This theme over and over again, of we, it almost seems counterintuitive to us, doesn't it? We cling to our lives, the things that we love, and we end up losing our lives. But if we come after Jesus, deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, we'll find that we're actually receiving and enjoying and on a way and on a path to the life that God has meant for you and for me. To follow Jesus in life is to follow him in death because fruit bearing requires cross bearing. What does Jesus tell us to do? Come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Follow him, but he's going to a cross. He's giving up his life. Yeah, fruit bearing requires cross bearing. His followers are united to him so deeply, so intimately, that his death as the payment for their sins is the death of their old selfish selves. He dies on our behalf, but He takes us with Him so that we can come out with Him on the other side of death and to His newness of life. Friends, this is mysterious, but it's glorious. When you put your faith in Jesus, we see it. It's it's pictured for us in baptism. We go down under the water being united with Christ. Our old selves die and we come back out of the water in newness of life because we've been united with Jesus, following him even to death because fruit bearing requires cross bearing. To follow Jesus in life is to follow him in death. And that journey with him, following him and dying to ourselves is the path to life. But it's not just the path to life for us, it's the path of life to our ones as well. You see, Jesus went into that tomb for you and for me and for your one and he says, if you follow me there and if you follow after me and serve me, you'll find that you're going to bear fruit in the lives of others as you deny yourself and follow me. John 15, verses four through five and verse eight, Jesus says, abide or remain in me and I in you. And he gives another analogy, just like the the kernel in the wheat. He says, as the branch, probably a uh, a grapevine, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide or remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit For apart from me you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit... And so prove to be my disciples. You see, we're connected to Jesus in his death, but we're also connected to him in his life. And we remain in him. We follow him steadfastly. When we realize that fruit bearing requires cross bearing, we come out on the other side and we remain connected to his life. And as we remain in him, connected to him, serving him, loving him, denying ourselves daily and following him, we're going to find that we're bearing fruit Seeing the fruit in the lives of our ones as we deny ourselves for their sakes and for the glory of Jesus. Fruit for Jesus, it's people. In John 12, 32, just a few verses down of our passage, Jesus says, I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. That lifting up was being lifted up on a pole, on a cross to die for the sins of humanity. And he says this, if you abide in me, just like I'm bearing fruit of all people, you will bear fruit in your lives as well. Fruit-bearing in the lives of our ones requires cross-bearing. If you want to see the fruit of new life in your one friend, you and I and us together, we must deny ourselves. We must serve Jesus. Follow Him in this mysterious union with Him and take up our cross. This is what it costs to get our ones into the party. Jesus gave his life for our sins, and we follow him, and we give our lives to make him known. You see, our death is in one sense like Jesus, but in many other senses, it's not like Jesus. He reconciled us to God through his blood. We reconcile our ones through our witness to him. He bled to pay for our sins, but but we're willing to follow him and bleed so that they may know the one who paid for ours and their sins. He died to defeat the power of Satan, and we could face death for our ones with courage because death and Satan have been defeated by our Master and King Jesus. He died to win the victory. We can follow Him in death because He won the victory. Amen? Amen. He died to set the example for His disciples to follow, and we die following His example so that others would see the one whom we follow. He died to demonstrate God's love for the world, and we die because we've received that love and invite others into that party of His love. He died to become the Savior of the world. We died to declare his self excuse me, salvation. Fruit bearing requires cross-bearing. To bear fruit of eternal life in you, Jesus gave his life for you and for me. Life can only spring from death. And his death must become ours. The way to truly live is first to truly die. And his followers, you and me, If we're followers of Jesus, we cannot avoid this truth. To follow Jesus in life is to follow him in death. It's the only way to truly live. And it's the only way that we will bear fruit. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing friend. It's so hard. I I love talking about the party last week. But boy, what is it going to take for us to pay to see, to deny, to die with Jesus so that we could bear much fruit in the lives of our ones, the ones we know in our workplaces, the ones we know who live uh, one address over from us, the ones that we see on our commutes and in our coffee shops and the ones we see in our kids' classrooms, students, the ones that you sit across from in the aisles in your classes. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing. This is a heavy message, but what does it mean for Monday? Monday. How does this actually change how we're going to live? And I want to ask this question when we think about what does this mean for Monday? How do I bear my cross for my one? How do I bear my cross for my one? This is the way the Apostle Paul lived. And I think uh, every verse I've got here almost is, is from the Apostle Paul himself. We're going to run through these very briefly. How do I bear my cross for my one? Well, first of all, who is... Share not only Jesus, but you must share yourself. Don't just share Jesus, share yourself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 8 says this. Paul's writing to the, the people in Thessalonica, the church there. He says, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, <clears throat> we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own because you had become very dear to us friend if you want to see fruit in the life of your one you're going to have to bear your cross it's not just a track as wonderful as that is it's your life it's your life put on display to say i'm willing to share my life with you how do i bear my cross for my one also here's what you got to do here's what i got to do we seek not only our own good but we seek their good we seek their good. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 24 and 33, Paul's talking about being culturally flexible for the sake of others, giving them the preference, giving them the advantage. He says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. Why? So that they may be saved. Fruit-bearing requires cost-bearing. Cross-bearing. Sometimes it means that I'm giving up my preferences, my desires for the sake of my one. Why? Because I want them to see Jesus. I want them to know him. What else do we do? Well, in order to bear fruit in the lives of our ones, we accept discomfort for their comfort. We accept discomfort for their comfort. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses five through seven, Paul writes, He say, says, "As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, think cross-bearing, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort, too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation." Not amazing? And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer." Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We accept discomfort for the comfort and for the salvation of our ones. Friends, if you're seeking a comfortable life, you won't bear fruit because fruit bearing requires cross bearing, accepting discomfort for the comfort of our one. Not only that, we have to be willing to be spent be spent so they may become rich. I love this in 2 Corinthians 12:15. He's talking about collecting uh, uh, offering for the saints in Jerusalem, but he says, "I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls." Being spent, exhausted, poured out, tired, Back in California, we had a week every June where we spent a whole week, it was like a vacation Bible school for about, gosh, 250 to 300 kids every night from like 6 to 10 p.m. And it was exhausting. And By the time Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're starting to get tired and Friday, you are dragging to the finish line. You could see it in so many leaders' faces. But I love talking to them about it. I say, how are you doing? Oh, Matthew, I'm having a ball. Why? They're being spent for the sake of those little ones. Being spent, it's the most awesome, thrilling experience of exhaustion you could ever feel. No hike could do it. No trip around the world could do it. Being spent for the sake of another, cross-bearing for fruit-bearing. Not only that, but we must risk heartache, heartache, until they receive Christ Listen to how Paul writes to the, his friends in Galatia, Galatians 4.19. He says, my little children, for whom I'm in, again, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I don't have the guts to say it like Paul did. I've never experienced the pain of childbirth. But he's saying in my soul, I could feel it, this anguish for you that Christ would be formed in you. I want to see that fruit And in Romans 9, verses 1 through 3, and in verse 10, he's speaking of his his fellow Israelites. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Why are you feeling so sad, Paul? Well, I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing. He says, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. It's risky business getting into loving the ones that you have in your life. My wife and I, were just learning this, but oh, in the, the past few years, there was one special little girl in our lives. She was a part of our home for several months and then we had to watch her, not because of any choice of our own, have to go to someone else's home, a stranger's home. Oh, friends, those that love little ones, orphans and widows, oh, you're gonna feel the pain, but fruit bearing requires cross bearing. And that means that we get into situations where we risk even our own emotional stability and say, Lord, I'm willing to be in anguish for the sake of one so that they may be saved. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing. A few more. What does this mean to to take up my cross for my one? Well, it means we stoop as humble beggars. We stoop as humble beggars so that our ones may be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through, uh, God making his appeal through us. We implore, we appeal, we plead, we beg, be reconciled to God. We be, implore you on behalf of Christ. Friends, if you're going to reach your one, if you want to see any fruit, you got to Take up your cross and get down and be humble and plead and beg. Not only that, but we endure suffering to experience the joy of salvation in our ones. We bear our crosses. Why? Because of the joy. That's the joy that we got along for. We got to be so hungry that we say nothing in this world satisfies that seeing our ones come to Christ Hebrews 12, 2 and Philippians 1, 7, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that joy, you and me and us here today, he saw it, he looked ahead and he said, I'm willing to endure the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Fruit bearing requires cross bearing. Joy requires pain but it's worth it, it's worth it, it was worth it to Jesus, and we follow him, and Paul says this in Philippians 2.17, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all, I'm happy to do it, because there's nothing sweeter in all the world than seeing Jesus glorified as we bear fruit, as we bear fruit. Friends, we're praying for our ones this month, and I'm so glad we've been on this journey. But oh, I hope that the Lord is starting to do a work in your heart, because I I still feel like I'm, I'm at the building blocks of aligning my heart with God's heart. Lord, teach me to have this kind of passion that says, I'm willing to follow Jesus and deny myself daily and take up my cross because fruit bearing requires cross bearing we have to ask ourselves, am I seeing any fruit in my life? Am I seeing anybody come closer to Jesus in my home, in my workplaces, in my relationships, in my neighborhood, in my friendships? Where am I seeing, am I seeing any fruit in my life? And if you're not seeing, we may need to ask ourselves, when was the last time I died to myself? When was the last time I died to myself? If there isn't any fruit bearing, maybe we need to examine ourselves Is there any cross bearing? Is there any cross bearing? God has been ringing me out all week and asking myself, Lord, am I bearing my cross and following Jesus today? Oh, how I wanna see fruit. I wanna see fruit in you. I wanna see fruit in my home. I wanna see fruit in my life. I wanna see fruit in people that I'm praying for across the country. God's asking me, When are you going to start following me, taking up your cross daily and denying yourself? There's one man who made a a, a great impact, a great impact for the cause of Jesus. He bore much fruit. Hudson Taylor. He lived 1832 to 1905. and, And during the years where America was at civil war, this was a man that was traveling. It would take him about five months at a time to journey across the globe to land in China and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to people who had no hope of hearing it if somebody didn't go. Hudson Taylor, he, he, had, he, uh, he had one wife, bore him several children. She died through all these journeys, had another wife. She eventually died. Hudson Taylor sacrificed so much, so much time, money, resources, He was pleading with his fellow Englishmen. There's people dying out there, and we're sitting here in a thousand-seat auditorium, and we're singing praises to Jesus when around the globe there are people that have never even heard his name. Who will go? And so Hudson Taylor had this resolve, I'm willing to take up my cross so that fruit can be born in China. And Hudson Taylor, after many years, started a beautiful ministry to China, exists today, OMF International. You can look it up. It's the organization that he started, reaching people around the globe, and especially in China, for the cause of Jesus Christ. He wanted to see one nation. He was praying for and seeking for his one, and he knew that it was full of many ones who needed to come to faith in Jesus. I loved reading some of his quotes this week of the fruit that he bore. Tens of thousands of people came to faith during his lifetime through his ministry. I think it was over 35,000. He says this, an easygoing, non-self-denying life will never be one of power. An easygoing, self-denying life will never be one of power. China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. For our master's sake, he make." May he make us willing to do or suffer all his will. I've got another photo here for you of Hudson Taylor. As you can see, his dress and his, the way he's doing his beard and his hair, it's, he's assimilating with them. He's becoming them. He's, he's laying down his life for them. He's saying, what you eat, I'll eat. What you say and speak in, in your language, I'll learn it. I'll take on your dress. I'll take on your your hairstyle. And friends, I know today it may make us cringe, but he's doing it there because for the sake of the gospel. He's taking up his cross. He's bearing his cross. He's longing to bear fruit. And here's where we get our big idea today, this great quote. Fruit bearing involves cross bearing. We know how the Lord Jesus became fruitful, not by bearing his cross merely, but dying on it. Do we know much of fellowship with him in this? i want to ask Fairfax Bible Church, do we know much of fellowship with Jesus in this, following him, taking up our cross so that we may bear fruit? And his final quote that I'll share with you today is this, the highest service demands the greatest sacrifice, but, but it secures the fullest blessing and the greatest fruitfulness. Fruit-bearing requires cross-bearing. So I want to ask you, who's your one? (laughs) Who's your one? And, you know, last week we started asking, who am I going to pray for? And what we want to do right now is we want to invite you to say, "Eh, I'm not just willing to pray for my one but I wanna bear my cross for my one, and that's scary, it's terrifying, it's hard. I I tell you, friends, I'm, I'm a little afraid of it myself. If we're honest, we know that bearing our cross for our ones is hard and scary, but here's some hope. We aren't alone in this. We have one another. We can look across the room and in front of us and behind us and see that there are others who are following Jesus and bearing their crosses in devotion to him for the sake of their ones. And when it gets really hard, When our hearts feel broken and in anguish and poor and uncomfortable and humbled and in pain, and when we feel like we're ready to give up, when I feel like I'm ready to give up because loving my one is so sacrificial, you can put your arm around me and remind me, Matthew, it's worth it. And I'll put my arm around you and remind you it's worth it. The celebration is worth it all. Don't give up. So today, we're going to make a commitment together, not just to pray for our ones, but to love our loved ones with the sacrificing love of Jesus. I've got some friends here. They're going to be passing something out to you. We passed out books to you, but we've got some bookmarks as we close here. We're about to sing here, and uh, worship team, you could start making your way up. We've got some bookmarks here for you. Praise God for our Fairfax Bible Church youth, right? Let's give them a round of applause. They're going to be taking on this journey in the the days to come to pray for their ones, too. The students and friends that they have in their schools to make Jesus famous in their schools. Make sure everybody gets one spread out, guys. We want you to have one of these, okay? And on the end of this bookmark is a little space for you to pray for your one. Who's your one? And what we want to invite you to do, if you've got a pen now, you can pull that out, write down the name of your one. If you don't have a pen, we've got some Sharpies here for you. You could write down the name of that one. But write down their name. You can see I've got the name of my one right here. And just tear off the end, just like that. And as you can see on the boards next to you, uh, on either side of the stage here, next to me, either side of the stage, there's already some of these little name tags that are t- taped up on the boards. But what we want to do is we don't want to just put a name on a board, but we, this is a commitment to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to pray for my one. And Lord, it's terrifying and it's scary, but I'm willing to lay down my life for my one because fruit bearing requires cross bearing. And so I want to invite you, as you get that, that, um, that bookmark and you write down that name and you tear it off, I want to invite you to stand. Stand. Let's each one of us Let's take a moment of reflection and say, Lord, what will it take to bear fruit in the life of my one? Thank you, Jesus, that you bore it all, but what are you asking me to do to take up my cross and follow you so that we may see fruit in the lives of our ones? And so, if you, as you have that now, if you have it, I, I ask you to stand now, okay? Let's stand together. And I'm going to pray, and the band's going to give you about a minute. I want to invite you, when you're ready, come on down here. We're going to ask you to come down the two center aisles. You can come down this way. You've got pens and tape here for you. Tape that up on the board and then you can exit out to the outside of the, the floor, okay? And then go back to your seat. And we're going to close in a prayer of commitment. We're going to sing this song. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you so much that you were that seed that went into the ground for me and for my ones. I want to follow you there, Lord. So I'm going to invite you to do that. But I'm going to close us in prayer as you reflect upon taking on that cross that cross bearing so that you can see fruit born in the lives of your ones, let's pray together Father in heaven, we love you so much because you gave your son Jesus, Jesus you gave your life for us, you you bared the cross for me and for my brothers and sisters, this family here at Fairfax Bible Church because fruit bearing required cross bearing and so Lord today I I think we all feel kind of puny. I think we all feel kind of overwhelmed. This is a huge task, but, but we believe that you're aligning our hearts with your heart, Father, that says, we're willing to follow Jesus and take up our crosses and follow him so that we could see fruit in the lives of our ones. Lord, teach us to do it. I'm so glad that I'm not standing here in this room all by myself. I don't know that I could have been Hudson Taylor, But Lord, I thank you that I don't have to be today. I can be Matthew here today with my church family to say we're gonna bear our crosses together for the sake of our ones, for the sake of our ones. We're willing to bear our crosses because we wanna bear fruit in the lives of our ones. So we entrust ourselves to you and we wanna say we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one who for the joy set before him, for the fruit, he endured the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray.